2: Welcome back to the Prospect Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds and talk about the ideas that matter in politics, arts and society. I'm Ellen Halliday, and today I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues, assistant editor Sarah Collins and books and culture editor Pete Hoskin. Today, we're discussing Argyle, a new spy thriller by a mysterious debut author Ellie Conway, which has set the internet ablaze with rumour and gossip. Swifty fans on social media thought Conway might be a pseudonym for the queen of pop Taylor Swift, and extreme hype ensued. Today, Pete, Sarah and I will discuss the book, the upcoming film adaptation, the gossip and what the mystery says about modern fandom. Pete and Sarah, thanks so much for joining the podcast. So, Sarah, do you want to start by giving us a bit of background about Argyle and this piece that you wrote? What is Argyle?
3: So, Argyle is both a book and a film. The piece that I've written for Prospect is a review of the book, um, which also looks into the social media speculation around the author. Um, So as a book, it is just a fairly good spy thriller. It's about Aubrey Argyle, who is sort of recruited um, to the American intelligence services against his will. He is the son, apparently, this is one of the least convincing parts of the book, but he is apparently the son of two international drug dealers who are sort of ethical and only deal in marijuana because they believe that that's ethical. Didn't quite get that backstory, but he is living in Thailand um, when a CIA plane is shot down by a local drugs gang. He assists um, the survivors of the plane crash from the CIA, which brings him to their attention. And then what ensues is he's recruited by the CIA and he's sent on a mission to find the Amber Room, which is a real-life, amazing wonder of the world. It's like a room full of golden panels and amber panels um, that was in a palace in Russia in the 18th century that was looted by the Nazis during the Second World War. And it disappeared after that. So the kind of um, mission that he's on is that there is this Russian presidential candidate, tech billionaire, who is trying to find the amber plates to reunite the Russian people with them to kind of try and get their goodwill. And um, the CIA are very, very worried about that because they think he's a super nationalist and he's far right and he's going to cause problems. So Argyle and his team are set um, to try and find the Amber Plates on a series of missions. And there's a lot of twists and turns within that. But it's a kind of good, fun, spy romp. It's not, in my opinion, an exceptional book. It's fun. I wouldn't say it's the cleverest thriller that I've read. So, yeah, it's an interesting but fairly ordinary spy thriller.
2: So, Pete, this fairly ordinary spy thriller... Mm -hmm had a lot of excitement beforehand. What did that look like? Why did you think this was something that Sarah should be set on?
4: It's, it's worth saying that as, as books editor here, I'm told to be excited about things a lot of the time. So the, the way this whole thing works is um, book publishers send me books, obviously send us books, uh, get dozens a day. Uh, everyone is vying to be read and vying to be reviewed um, in our pages and obviously in books pages elsewhere. And, every book publicist says you know this is the defining book of the year you have to read this you have to review it so there's always hype attached to everything i think um i was struck in argyle's case though it was that times a hundred um so you get books a few months in advance um there's some special books you get six months maybe even longer in advance and often i mean sometimes that happens for accidental reasons you know maybe the author's written it really early Um, maybe it's a fairly small release and the publisher wants to you know make a big splash with it knowing it's small but you know get it in the hands of critics early that kind of thing but in in Argar's case I think I must have had a copy about six months before it published um, which is a long time, And what that generally signals is that the publisher's really excited about it and wants to give you time to get really excited about it too. And also even the press release. So these books come with a little paper printout with quotes from people saying how great the book is and a summary of the book. This press release was, again, extraordinary. You know, it had a quote at the top, I think, from Matthew Vaughan, who we'll get on to because he is directed already he has made the film adaptation of argyle um but matthew vaughan a sort of storied film director he um he said it's the best spy thriller since ian fleming and said that it's going to revolutionize the genre we should say ian fleming who actually is the subject of another one of our book reviews this month but um he wrote the the james bond book so you know argyle is the biggest thing since bond that was that was the point that was being made months and months ago. So immediately it's kind of like on my radar, I guess. And I thought, you know, well, let's see, we don't review too many spy thrillers, but maybe this is one we should review. Um, and then actually it's it sort of um, unavoid- became unavoidable in the months following that. Um, I occasionally scroll TikTok just to see what... <laughs> strictly not to say the kids but um what the kids are up to um and argyle is one of the things they were up to um so i I noticed a video um sarah probably might know the name of the actual tiktoker um but there was one tiktoker in particular who
3: the original tiktok is jesse swift talk
4: basically someone put out the tiktok video um that said is the author of this book um a woman called ellie conway and who we kind of already know is a pseudonym Mm um we know it's a pseudonym because we've sort of been told but also um because the backstory given to ellie conway is just too generic Mm -hmm. um in an exciting way it says she's meant to have come from uptown new york and have waitressed and have written the book in between waitressing shifts you know it's it's just too stereotypical so the speculation on this tiktok video was is it actually taylor swift um and i must admit this is where i did get excited it's a really persuasive i I was
2: hooked when when sarah told me about the piece i also went and found one of the tiktoks i don't know if it was the definitive one but i was sold on the idea to be honest
4: (laughs) i mean i mean i was sold on it too There, there was i mean we'll probably get into the details of it and we can talk later about um whether Taylor Swift has actually had some level of involvement because I think that's an interesting question Um, but it it was the moment where they were showing things um, various crossovers with Taylor Swift's life and there was one bit where she was wearing a sweat top with Conway Productions Mm. as in Conway as in Ellie Conway a, a production company that doesn't seem to exist and you certainly wouldn't really have on a sweat top, but there she did she had it on sweat top and was prominently photographed in it and that was the moment I thought, hang on, <laughs> you know this is a this is there is something going on here. Um, and normally I find like online culture things, I, I find online culture interesting, but I think we can overdo it sometimes. So, you know, I think there's a tendency in modern journalism that anything that happens online is treated as though it's it's really, really fascinating, even when it's just, you know, the same old thing. It's just happening online. Um, but this did seem really, really interesting, actually, a sort of crossover between celebrity culture, online hype book publishing hype Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to make of it so I turned to our resident Swifty Sarah and asked her to see what she'd make of
2: it so Sarah you grappled with this question is it Taylor Swift is it not Taylor Swift Where did you come out on it and what were kind of your reasons for your decision one way or the other?
3: To say I grappled with it, I think I became obsessed with it in a way that was borderline hysterical. Um, I was desperate for Argyle to be Taylor Swift. I think the TikToks were absolutely compelling and... I think that the the Easter egg-type quality of mm. the links between the material used to promote uh, Argyle and Taylor Swift's videos were in exactly in keeping with Swift's modus operandi. So, for example, the fact that um, in Argyle the film, which I'll get onto this later, but Argyle the film bears no resemblance to the book, which is mm-hmm. already strange and, I think, part of the mystery. And there's a sort of um, metafiction conceit in which... In Argyle, the film, Ellie Conway, the author, is a character played by Bryce Dallas Howard. In the book, Ellie Conway is just the author, it's just a normal spy thriller. So we can come on to that anyway. But um, right down to the fact that Swift's brand, um, breed of cat is featured again and again in the Argyle promotional material, um, you know, there is a scene in Taylor Swift's video. Uh, music video for All Too Well, in which she's wearing a red-haired wig, and she's signing books as an author. And then, there we have it, the author, Ellie Conway, has red hair.
4: Sorry, Sarah, to interrupt. There's another piece of evidence, actually, that we haven't mentioned. We've sort of said there's a film, but the film was made by Apple, and they bought the rights to the book for was it 200 million yeah 200 million dollars for a first-time author and it's bought a couple of years ago and that is another thing that is like well why have they spent 200 million dollars on this book the sort of answer that makes that make sense is taylor swift
3: yeah it seems like almost no other answer would make sense and when pete first commissioned me i thought it must be taylor swift because when you know the average author gets in the u.s around 25k as a debut for their debut as an advance someone receiving 200 million pounds to adapt a book that hasn't even been published yet It, it felt like there had to be somebody famous behind it and who could it possibly be who is so seismic in their fame and has so much influence well taylor swift and as the tiktokers kind of show there are all sorts of links between taylor swift videos Um, Taylor Swift Music and Ellie Conway and Ellie Conway's Instagram account only stokes rumours further because it is a very generic account that is sort of bookish New York account Um, Conway's face never appears in anything there's nothing to show who she is Um, there's just a series of very generic posts but that do feel designed to stoke the online fandom community which is the Swifties Um, and so I there's also a point as well that Taylor Swift takes her fans very seriously in my opinion and as one of them I feel like (laughs) although she does like to give us easter eggs and trick us and prank us and get us excited about things she does that in a very very loving way in a way of um it feels that she takes the support that her fans give her She's very grateful for it, and she wouldn't take it for granted. So what also seemed odd was that Taylor hadn't come out and denied mm-hmm. that, these, that this franchise was linked to her. So when there were all these Easter eggs, all these um, dots being connected by the Swift talkers, um, mm-hmm. and Taylor Swift wasn't coming out and saying, this isn't anything to do with me, I mm-hmm. really, really did start to believe um, that it was her. <laughs> However... <laughs> The more I looked into it, the more that I began to feel quite cheated and actually quite disappointed because it isn't Taylor Swift and I think that has been virtually confirmed. Um, I think publishing sources related to the publish. Am I right there, Pete?
4: So uh, publishing services sources have definitely spoken to um, Vanity Fair, yeah. other publications and said it's not Taylor Swift. Swift. Um, and I think... That would be a silly thing for publishing sources to say and and publications to say if if it weren't. Um, I'm pretty certain it's not. Um, And I think, I mean, we can go on to some of the other clues, but the, the more you read of Argyle, the more you see of Argyle, the more actually the clues go in the opposite direction.
2: After the break, we'll talk more about mysteries, movies and social media fandom. But first, I'd like to tell you about our subscription offer. Take out a digital subscription to Prospect and you can enjoy a one-month free trial to our digital content. You'll immediately get full access to rigorously fact-checked, truly independent analysis and perspectives. There's no commitment and you can cancel at any time. To take advantage of this offer, visit our website or go to your favorite search engine and search for Prospect Magazine Subscription.
0: Introducing Wondersweep from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard.
1: Good news: Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
3: And so it's been confirmed to Vanity Fair that it isn't Taylor Swift. And when you read Argyle, it doesn't read like Taylor Swift's written it. It is a clever spy thriller, but it it doesn't have any of the hallmarks of Swift's writing. There's no particularly prominent female characters. It doesn't deal in any kind of emotional depth with any of the characters. It's just Mm -hmm. a good spy thriller. Um, And basically, as time's gone on more and more, evidence has come to light. So, for example, it's alleged that Matthew Vaughan, who is the Kingsman director um, who is directing the film Argyle, owns the copyright to the book um, through a company... That he is involved in that's just alleged that's not confirmed but that's that's one clue that the book is essentially just a prop for the film and then recently um a washington post reporter did some absolutely incredible digging so one of parts of the plot of argyle is that argyle the agent makes a trip to visit an astronomer and i'm not going to say too much about it because i don't want to give any spoilers um but the details of this are really really important and the author had to make sure they got their astronomy right so in the credits at the end of the book in the acknowledgements a professor of astrology is acknowledged Mm. and this washington post reporter called that astrologer and said astronomer and said who was the author that approached you to ask that question and the astronomer said tammy cohen and tammy cohen is a british writer of spy thrillers um and She's written, I think, three spy thrillers before that have done very, very well. And a lot of the clues in the text, it doesn't read like an American book. There are, It reads like it's written by a British writer in, in very subtle ways. Um, so the most convincing theory I think that we have available to us at the moment is that Argyle was written by Tommy Cohen. But that is, again, not confirmed. That's just what's alleged.
2: Based on this one conversation with the astronomer, which I have to say is sounds like impressive sleuthing, from this reporter who presumably called up many people, I would imagine, on the acknowledgments list and asked them for information. Okay, so we have a we've got to the point where we we think probably it's not Taylor Swift's book. However, there's still this huge hype around it and it, this association of this powerful brand of Taylor Swift with this book and this film. So I mean I wonder, Pete, what do you think the sort of Tells us about the book industry, and is this kind of unhealthy for the book industry? There's been this speculation, and this this unknown debut author, and it's a prop for a film potentially. We don't know.
4: Um, well, I, th- I think it says a lot about modern culture. I think, uh, I mean, in a way, even if we've solved the mystery, the mystery deepens. Is is almost the first point that's worth making because it may not be Taylor Swift. But the fact that there's so much Taylor Swift coding within everything we've seen means either she didn't know Mm -hmm. and she could probably be rightfully angry that her fans have been potentially exploited in some way. You know, people have been encouraged to buy this book on the back of the idea that it might be Taylor Swift Mm -hmm. um, who wrote it Um, or potentially more likely that she did know about it and in a way that she might have sarah probably won't like to hear this but um saint taylor may have known about this marketing campaign may have given her okay, may indeed have worn that sweatshirt done all the kind of like little easter eggy things gone along with the promotional campaign in which case if i were one of her fans and and maybe sarah can speak more to this but you know i'd feel a little bit cheated actually you know Mm -hmm. if i if i'd gone along with this campaign so uh, we don't know you know, we we don't know if it's Taylor Swift or not. I, I assume we'll find out. And it sounds like it's not, frankly. It sounds like it is a marketing uh, device. But it still could bite back in some way for Taylor Swift. Like Taylor Swift is not mm-hmm. totally out of this story, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, as for the book industry, well, I mean, I suppose it depends what metrics you look at. If the book industry is about selling books... Well, well done. They've done it here, you know, and they found a, a, a way of doing it. And marketers are meant to be clever. They're meant to think of new ways of doing these things. You know, that's their job. So well done there. I assume Argyle's selling pretty well, um, or certainly more well than another first-time book. Um, I think actually the point though that, that Sarah lands on it in her review it is, is almost the crucial point here, which is that it's quite distressing to think that you do need all this hype built up, potentially fake hype built up around a book to just sell a book. Um, and, um, you know, it, it would have been nice to think that Ellie Conway is actually mm-hmm. a, a former waitress from uptown New York who wrote Argyle in, a, in between her shifts or whatever the story was. Um, but actually, that, that's a fairy tale. You know, and and it's that we can't live that fairy tale, which is a, a tragedy. Sarah's already mentioned some of the the numbers around first time books and the salaries they get, and you know, it's it's pennies, it's peanuts, and and actually, the fact that there needs to be this massive conceit around something is is sad in that respect. I think I, I also think we we it says something about the moment we're in the wider culture, um, which is you know we're at a moment where several big totemic cultural things are coming to what seems like a bit of an end so marvel being the obvious example but even things like star wars you know like disney spent big money on these franchises not too long ago uh, and it was thought, okay like disney will rule the world now because they own marvel they own all their old stuff they own pixar they own star wars and actually we're seeing that people are tiring of these things and then comes the question what's next you know and I think what's next is a battle to be the next Marvel, the next Star Wars, the next whatever it might be. Um, and obviously, Apple wants a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Apple buy. um, and Argyle is potentially their pitch, that's why they've spent 200 million. And I think, in a way, it, it's reflective in a, of an industry where you need to spend big in order to try and recoup big. You know, they need to take these big, heavy swings on something like Argyle because the market is opening up for the next big thing. Um, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, it's just this moment where companies like Apple and others are going to try and spend a lot of money to find the next big thing and be the next big thing.
2: So in, the, in a sense, even if this has seemed like something quite unique so far, would you expect to see other events where there's a lot of kind of sort of elaborate marketing ploy behind... A film, a book, a series?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're in the age of the crossover anyway. So um, I was racking my brain before we started talking about whether there's anything been anything like this in publishing before. Mm-hmm. And we, to some extent, there's always been film and book crossover but mostly in the realm of novelisation. So you'll get a novelisation of, famously, there were Star Wars novelisations and they sold quite well and they'd have little details that weren't in the films, you know, and little extra story bits. Um, But even the fact that you'd have a film tie-in version of, say, Gone with the Wind, you know, the cover would change and be made to look like the film poster. That's been going on for decades. We've had clever metatextual things, but they've always come after. I think. So So one that sprung to mind was The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which was released during, in the early 90s, during Twin Peaks mania. Uh, Laura Palmer being the, the deceased, uh, you know, the, the murder victim at the beginning of season one of um, um, Twin Peaks. Uh, and this was her diary. It's actually written, I think, by David Lynch, the, the creator of that series, his daughter. Um, but that came after, you know, that was kind of exploiting a fan base that had built up around Twin Peaks. It didn't come before. And also there was no there was no sort of like trick there. There was no deceit. It was just like, you know, you like Twin Peaks, here's something that was in that series, read it. Um, so I think I think this is new, but wh- where I think it's of a piece of much else that we see in the culture is just the general idea of crossover. So um book and film crossover is, you know, like I say, been around for decades. But increasingly you see when a film releases, it also becomes a thing at football games or it becomes a thing within games like video games so um, Fortnite for example when a big movie releases now there will be characters from that movie appear in Fortnite the game or if a big album releases from a musical artist they'll put a gig of it literally literally perform it in within Fortnite, the video game um so i think like crossover is becoming more prevalent um i'm not sure someone will quite repeat the argyle trick if it is a trick but i think the idea that a book will be released attached to with the film already having been made and the characters are already appearing in Fortnite and on the fronts of football shirts whatever that's here to stay
2: sarah what are your thoughts about the impact on the publishing industry of of this whole saga i think it's deeply cynical i
3: think that when we are seeing a publishing publishing industry in which it's so hard for authors to particularly debut authors to get their work off the ground, the fact that all the focus is on making clever marketing conceits um, focused on social media rather than on funding new creative talent is cynical and I, I think it's strange. I think we're in an era of marketing. I mean, we kind of saw that with, for example, Barbie and Oppenheimer. I mean, I happened to love Barbie. I thought it was an amazing film. But before Barbie had even been released, the level of marketing spend, the, the, the way that I felt that we were being in some way manipulated. And I think that's what I really dislike about this, particularly as a Taylor Swift fan. I want to make my own judgment on whether I think it's a good book. I don't want to feel that there are some books that are so hyped and given so much budget that you read them purely because of that. I think it's quite sad for the industry. And I think it's just sad that Ellie Conway's story is a fairy tale, that it is so unbelievable that a young waitress in New York could write a debut. I mean, I know many people who want, who are young people living in big cities, struggling to get by, who want to write amazing best selling books that aren't having the opportunity. So maybe it's a bit close to my heart. But um, yeah, I think it's deeply cynical and I, I don't want to always just be a consumer of marketing. I want to have the opportunity to find books that I really enjoy and I love. And I think when you've got... Um, the likes of Apple that have got so much funding behind them if they're setting the agenda in publishing I, I don't think that's going to be great for creativity for diversity of voices and for talent
4: so can I ask the question that you're avoiding if Taylor Swift didn't write our girl but if Taylor Swift did know about the marketing campaign and have a hand in it how do you feel about Taylor Swift
3: Gosh, we're really getting into the deep stuff on this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to throw criticism at Taylor Swift. One, because I love her, two, because I don't want death threats. <laughs> <laughs> However, I think I'd be if Taylor Swift is involved in this in some way, I, I really hope that it is in an artistically creative and compelling way that reflects the level of attention to detail and genius that she puts into her music and videos. I do hope that if she has been part of this and if she has had a hand in this, it's in a way that when I watch the film, I think this is an unbelievable film. This is so clever. This whole conceit was amazing. And I'm so glad that we were brought along on this journey. And I completely changed my tune. The thought that she might have been involved with it in a purely, in a way that was just helping out a friend or just allowing her fans to be used to bring buzz, without it being part of some kind of creative endeavour that she was in, that would be heartbreaking to me. I really hope that's not the case. And I will, until I know for sure,
2: <laughs> I'm not going to accuse her of that. Will you still be rushing down to the cinema, Sarah, despite your reservations?
3: I think I will, because I want to see this film now. I mean, the book was OK. It was a really enjoyable book. I did really enjoy I mean, to... to Give some praise to the book. The missions that Argal and his team went on were absolutely f- fantastic. So much fun! Stealing a bracelet from someone's hand in Monaco, um, going to Mount Athos in Greece, and having to rescue some treasure from the clutches of some monks. You know, it was it was a genuinely really good fun book. So I will compliment on that. I, I would I do want to see the film, and I hope that there is something so spectacular and special about this film that justifies all that hype, but I'm not optimistic that there will be.
2: I think the film's out on the 2nd of February in the UK and of course Sarah's piece is available to read on the Prospect website so I'd encourage everybody to go and have a read of it there or of course pick up a copy of Prospect magazine as well. Thanks so much Sarah and Pete for joining us on the podcast Um, and that's all for this week.